Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the founder of Conexia, Maceo Jordan. You can learn more about him and his company at MaceoJordan.com. Maceo, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here, Jen. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought I'd start with asking because it's a new year. Uh, How's 2021 been treating you so far? Well, certainly better than 2020. I'll, (laughs) I'll say that. I think that goes for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 2021 has been, I think, uh, more remarkable just because we're coming out of, of 2020. And the way things go in the acquisition world, at least, is whenever there's a, a, what, what's called a contraction, right? Problems mm-hmm. or an uncertain future, everybody just kind of like turtles slinks back into their shells. Uh, now they're they're starting to emerge. Yeah. The good news is those investors, though, have had almost a year with their money not working for them. So they're mm. they're desperate to put it to work. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very fun. Very fun to kind of see that things are sort of like, like the wheels have the wheels are spinning again. I think for a lot of people. Um, let's go ahead and talk about uh, your company, Maceo. For people that are hearing about Connexia for the first time, what's your company about, and who do you like to serve? Well, our tagline is bring hospital quality healthcare into the home. Mm-hmm. You know, so our main. Uh, audience are baby boomers, you know, so they're they're kind of the forgotten people around mm-hmm. the year 2000. Of course, everybody was talking about them, but basically they're they're people who came uh, that were born just after World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, given the way uh, in America diet has gone and the way healthcare has gone, most of these folks have multiple chronic conditions. You mm-hmm. know, so they're in and out of the clinic or the hospital. Uh, and so our aim is to bring most of that care back into the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this whole, uh, talk about like, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of COVID is inf- affecting like the older people and, but I'm sure it's just in addition to other ailments, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, I, I like the the concept of that. Uh, tell us what, what led you to specializing in this space to help baby boomers and bringing that quality health care to the home. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, I came through it. I'll, I'll say honestly. So I cared for both of my parents uh, mm. when they needed uh, home health care. Unfortunately, you know, due to some of the issues with the medical system, they both uh, both of them died as a result of that care. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my, yeah, thank you. My mm-hmm. father, uh, stepfather, in 2011. My mom actually just recently passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but as through going through the first experience with my dad and. I remember we got handed back th- back then this new device, a BlackBerry, and had all these wires attached to them, and no instructions. Like we had no idea what to do with the thing. You know, should we touch it? You know, can I send somebody a text on it? Um, you know, so that that opened my eyes as an entrepreneur from a customer service standpoint. Right? Mm-hmm. So here's a here's somebody who got a product in a very vulnerable situation, uh, mm-hmm. but also a product that they they needed really badly, mm-hmm. uh, and there was no guidance. And you know, I look at that not as a, a single failure point. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that had to happen for that end result to actually come about. And that's when the, the idea first came to me. So it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also uh, very good at spotting trends. When I was, you know, back in the day when I was trading for hedge funds, that's really what I did for a living. I was, you know, kind mm. of a trend sniffer and I've developed computer programs and 
in order to, to develop a computer program, you've really got to understand what you're doing. The phrase mm -hmm. is garbage in, garbage out, right? Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff collided in this one, you know, this one experience with my stepfather. And then fast forward uh, with my mom. Fortunately, I'd I'd known a, a lot more. Uh, can I see it was actually up and running? Um, but it was like even in it was almost in spite of all that experience and knowledge, things were still going off the rails. Uh, mm -hmm. and a lot of that obviously was because she wasn't in my company uh, getting the care. And mm -hmm. so it's from that direct experience that I've seen where some of the the major weaknesses are. But I also think it's because I'm coming to it from the outside, I don't look at the problem in the same way that people do. And frankly, I just don't accept the, you know, the solutions or that the things need to stay the, the way they are, because that's all how they've always been done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, walk us through this uh, full service home healthcare uh, system that you've been able to create. Um, let's say someone, you know, you have a client of connect, a new client, um, walk us through that process from the moment they are interested to being a part of uh, the system. Yeah, from their experience, not a whole lot is going to change, right? So hmm. we are the the home health care agencies that we we acquire. They're still going to be in the hospitals and in the facilities, talking to patients. And in America, we have patient choice, right? So mm -hmm. it's not like any one person can decide for you who's going to provide your care. Mm -hmm. um, so from that standpoint, you know, our job is to communicate value, service, uh, comfort, and dare I say, even love. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so I think the the main change that I hope to bring into these organizations starts with what I mentioned last, and that's love. You know, I think mm -hmm. in, in medicine, um, and this happened a long time ago, that, that the love for the patient was lost and it was replaced by this desire to be scientific and thorough. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying we have to get rid of that, but we should never replace love with being thorough. Yeah. You know I mean? Because you imagine, you know, going on a, a date with uh, you know your lover and they're secretly looking at a checklist as they go through the night and you ask them, hey, what are you doing? They're, oh, just making sure I, I cover all the bases. It's like that would that ruins the entire experience. Yeah. So in the same way, um, you know, our our goal is to provide the best possible service to elevate the nurses that are really providing the care in the medical system now to their rightful place, which is at the side of the patients. And, and shepherding them through an experience uh, that's going on with their own bodies that they don't understand and can't control, uh, but also to then get them the care that's going to provide the best outcome. Yeah. So two main pillars there, uh, a, returning to a love for our patients and then a, a ruthless focus on a positive outcome for as many people as possible. I really uh, appreciate um, the phrase you said earlier, uh, never replace love with being thorough. Uh, that reminds me of my own grandma and my, uh, she was uh, really, uh, she had a lot of health issues, mainly like mm -hmm. diabetes and mm -hmm. my, her siblings, my, my mom and her, uh, her siblings, um, or not her siblings, her kids, which are my mom and her mm. siblings, um, they had, they all had different approaches on how to keep her alive. One of them was all about being thorough while one of them was about love. It's like, Hey, like let, let mom eat what she wants. Like she knows she's reaching her final days. Like let her do that. Where like my, uh, you know, one of the, my uncle was like, no, like she needs to survive. We need to be thorough. We need to basically put her in a prison and give her a diet, <laughs> you know? And I know he wouldn't say that he'd get really mad if I said that, but I'm not yeah. talking to him. So I can say that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, just that, just the whole emphasis of adding that love factor back into healthcare, because I, it almost seems like 
people are treated as products or like as defected products, but not as human beings, I think, in, in the healthcare system. Yeah, and I'll actually paint a, a much bleaker picture of that. It's actually worse than you would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in, in the hospital environment at the administrator level, um, it's all about dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. How many people do they have in the, in the hospital currently? Um, how many tests can they legally do? How many procedures can they legally do? And for the most part, uh, you know, they don't really have a discussion that even borders on morality. It really is mm-hmm. just what does the law in the case of Medicare or what does the insurance policy in the case of a third party say about this person's treatment? Now, why would they yeah. do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying that these people are evil. What I'm saying is they've been handed a system which says, hey, here's this big bucket of money. Depending on what somebody needs based on your code, we're going to dump more or less money on you. Mm-hmm. So the, the hospitals are very good to give an accurate diagnosis, but they're also there to maximize the amount of revenue. So if they're looking at, you know, one diagnosis versus another, the, the decision base, now this is a diagnosis and a treatment code, right? Remember, we're talking about what do we actually do for this person mm-hmm. ultimately is based on the revenue impact, not what's best for the patient's desire. Like you just said, you know, yeah. if grandma is not going to recover, does she really need to have no ice cream or, you know, should she have some ice cream? Yeah. Cause I know that discussion is going to happen. You know, can she have some cheesecake or not? Right. So I, I get on the one hand, you know, you, you want to, you want to increase longevity as long as possible, but look at the end of the day, after all of this work and trillions of dollars spent, doctors have no idea how to extend our lifespan. They're guessing, you know, we, we have really very little insight truly into the human body. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, of course, why you know when you back into it, they make the decision. Say, okay, if you've got one code that pays sixteen thousand dollars, but another code, both of them legitimate, you know, you can make a, a good case for them. That pays thirty thousand dollars, they're going to go with the case that is thirty thousand um, dollars. You know, again, because that's the amount of money that that comes into the hospital, and then the administrators rely on the doctors, you know, making the accurate diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I do want to be clear, like I'm not. I'm not indicting these people like they're rubbing their hands in the back room, you know, seeing how they can, you know, murder people for money. That's (laughs) not it at all. What I'm saying is that the, we're all human. Mm -hmm. And what we've forgotten is that when, when you give humans the kind of system that we've done, it gets optimized in a way that we really just don't want. Yeah. Not that, and it's tough to, it's tough to talk about, uh, in ways that, that, uh, go beyond that. Um, there's a, a Supreme Court justice who once said, you know, pornography when you see it, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when a doctor cares about you or they don't, you know, you know, when a nurse cares about you or they don't, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with the thoroughness of their checklist. It's all the experience as humans. Um, now I will say that there's been p- plenty of scientific study done on this and it's well proven that if, if people are happy, they're comfortable, they actually do heal faster. They do have fewer infections. You know, so there's some hard science behind my lovey-dovey stuff here you know, for, for everybody that's wondering. Um, but even in spite of that, like we could know through human experience that, that that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we know that people care about us 
it, it gives us more of a maybe sense of responsibility to like want to live or get better. And I think there's a chemical balance to that, right? They say that if you are sad all the time, that's eventually going to show in, in yeah. your physicality. Um, I'm not a scientist. I can't say that for certain, but I hear that quite often. It's like, if you're stressed, it eventually shows up in your physical health. If you're stressed all the time, like for example, mm-hmm. if you're stressed and, um, and therefore you can't sleep, you have insomnia and that very much affects like your REM sleep and like just how you feel the, the following day. Uh, but just mm-hmm. knowing that adding that extra level of love, um, I think does make an impact. I, I believe in it at least. Well, and from a business standpoint, so let me, you know, for any potential investors that are listening to this, <laughs> you know, at, at the same time, it also improves profitability. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, you know, you get increased retention, longer lifetime or larger lifetime value, customer acquisition costs actually go down. Um, you know, when you look at service-based industries, it doesn't take very long to figure out what drove the service-based industries to success. Whether you're looking at something like Ritz-Carlton, you know, flagship hotel brand, global mm. brand. Um, in fact, one of our board members uh, helped Horst Schultz build that company internationally. Mm. And that was a, a brand that's rabid about the love for the customer. And in fact, it's one of the few things that you can get outright fired for you know, in that organization is showing a complete lack of compassion or, or lack of love for the customer. Mm-hmm. And healthcare, I mean, it's in the name, you know, it care, it's service, it's, it's this kind of hospitality, like mindset that we're looking to bring back into it. But again, make no mistake, this is, there, there's a healthy dose of capitalism on top of this, Yeah. where you know, it's, as some people say, you know, love won't get it done. In the business sense, it won't, uh, you know, because you've got to make money, you do have to turn a profit. What I'm saying is, you can do both. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to, why do we make all of these decisions like either or? Uh, mm-hmm. Since I've been mm-hmm. a kid, it's been, well, do you want A or B? I would always say, well, what about C, D or E? Like, can we get some more options in here? <laughs> you know, why do we have this false two choice option? And so yeah. I'm saying, you know, healthcare is so, uh, it's so needing more options right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking outside of healthcare into industries that quite frankly are very similar. I mean, look, a hotel, how is a hotel different from a hospital? Well, okay, a hotel doesn't have a surgical theater. It doesn't have medical equipment. But I'll tell you what, if I moved all that medical equipment into the hotel, you could not tell them apart. I mean, they mm. would look absolutely the same. And so from that standpoint, you know, there's, there's when you start stripping away like what the elements are of healthcare, you find this really not that different from other businesses. Um, there's certainly more regulation in the way but ultimately we're we're serving human beings in you know this healthcare value exchange and our job should not be just dumping a bunch of money on people and hoping for the best yeah absolutely um wow i i feel like what you're doing is revolutionary in a sense it is that well that's exactly what we're doing i mean we're i don't want anybody to make a mistake this is a 100% a revolution in healthcare i'm not here to change it I'm here to tear down the old healthcare system completely and replace it with something different. Uh, because frankly, that's really the only way to make massive change and to make it stick. Part of what's been wrong with health healthcare is we put Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid. And when you're bleeding from the neck, uh, you know, to use some technology terms here, the last thing you can do is just keep putting more Band-Aids on it. Mm-hmm. You need to rip the Band-Aids off, which is probably going to you know, take some stuff with it, get in there, sew it up. Go through all that pain, but knowing that after everything is set up, you're going to have a much better system. And that's what we're here to do. 
Yeah. And again, it's not like the doctors are in the back room saying, Hey, this is how we can make much more, uh, more money. Right. It's like, it's a systematic issue that you are helping to solve. And it's like, if you can kind of reconstruct that in a sense, um, we can bring uh, as corny as it sounds, we could bring love back into the system. Right. That's exactly right. (laughs) I love Love it. Love is all you need. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to make sure I cover on my basis here uh, in regards to your uh, company, Maseo. Is there anything else you want people to know about Connexia before I shift gears and kind of put our entrepreneur hat on? I mean, I could go on for, for a lot of time. I mean, if, look, if, if somebody is, is interested in investing in healthcare, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. we, you know, we need to have a conversation. Um, You know, if somebody just wants to, you know, check on what's going on with Connexia, they're free to go to connexia.com and keep up with the latest news. Yeah. Is there a, a reason why you chose the name Connexia? I find it I find it very fascinating. There's like two X's in there too. So I have to ask. You know, what? I have unfortunately a very boring answer to it because I know <laughs> quite a bit about how search engines work. Uh, we wanted a name that would, you would roll off the tongue, right? So mm. uh, Seth Godin, uh, uh, associate of mine, uh, he says that a, a company name should be something that you're not embarrassed to say. Mm. So Connexia, you know, it's got the structure that people aren't going to be embarrassed to say, but it's also so unique that if you type it in, while there are, you know, more Connexias out there than just us, we're going to rise to the top very, very quickly. So, you know, again, there's a, a, a very strategic reason for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Still an interesting answer. I didn't think it was too boring. Okay. <laughs> More like strategic because a strategic answer. The, okay, it was there a, we go. Yeah, I'll, I'll start yeah. using that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're like, actually, it's very strategic how we chose that name. So, yes, you know, not, you. not boring. You're like, I got you. I got you, Maseo. Um, well, let's go ahead and transition over to uh, just the conversation of being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, the show does speak towards small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we, we love bringing on people who, you know, make a minimum of six figures and up and everything to provide advice to our listeners. So let us know, is there any golden nuggets that you want to share with us today in regards to, you know, starting, starting a company or even being in the, being involved in the healthcare system? Wow. Uh, the reason why I'm making faces, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I actually did an interview earlier today that was supposed to be an hour that went to two because they asked me that question. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll hopefully, hopefully I'll be quick. And thankfully I did two hours already. So I think I can there you go. condense it. Yeah. I would start with the first one is there, there are no silver bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're going to be very much optimistic, open to new experience, and and thinking about things in the future as being, uh, I don't want to say rosy in a bad way, but like things are going to work out. That's mm-hmm. you know, a, a part of that optimism. And unfortunately, the world of marketing is positioned to take advantage of that directly. Mm. And so the first thing would be you know, to develop some skills to Pop yourself out of that emotional place whenever someone is asking you as the entrepreneur to spend money. And Mm -hmm. here's the easy way to do that. Whenever somebody is asking you to spend money, either ask them directly or have in your mind already the return on your investment. Mm -hmm. So for example, if somebody is saying, hey, we want you to spend $5,000 a month on whatever. Well, you need to, number one, immediately make that into an annual figure. So $60,000. And then ask yourself, well, if I'm going to spend, it's not, sorry, if I'm going to invest $60,000, what return do I need on that? Now, if you do the math ahead of time, you want to include rent or your mortgage, car notes, kid expenses. I mean, literally you want to think of yourself as, as part of the business and put those all on the expense category. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're, you're so-called monthly nut or your annual nut, if you will, is $100,000. Well, 
Well, then you know you're going to spend 100,000 and these people are asking you to spend another 60,000, which brings your total to $160,000. How much do you need to have come back from your investment in order for that to be worthwhile? Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the way the math works is if you do not have at least a three to one return over time, it's guaranteed that you're going to go broke the Mm. lower that you go. So if you're like 2.9 to one, you're pretty safe. But if you're at one to one, I got bad news for you. The math says eventually, meaning if you keep spending those $60,000, you're going to, you're going to lose all your money. Mm-hmm. And so what that'll do is give you a way to pop out of that emotional realm and then have a conversation that's more based on the value, but then it'll also force you as the entrepreneur to really write down all the things that, that need to have happen. Mm-hmm. Now I, I go to that basic level because, you know, we want to put all of these things together and say, you know, why businesses fail. Oh, they didn't have enough money. They didn't get funding. They didn't get this or that. I would say, no, you know, it's actually simpler than that. It's mm-hmm. that you've got an entrepreneur going into an environment that they didn't understand, which means they're going into this environment of future success, right? Which is probability. What, what are the odds of my success? And it comes out in the way we talk. Mm-hmm. The way people ask questions is what's the best way to, and then fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. My brain hears that as a probability. Meaning what they're really asking is, how do I guarantee that I'm going to be successful? When you, mm-hmm. when you break down and kind of reverse engineer the question. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're dealing with something that's odds of success, just know that as a human being, the way that you experience that is emotionally. Mm-hmm. And this is why advertising is so powerful. Because when you appeal to somebody's emotion, you're appealing to their own idea of their future odds of success. And we all know Every entrepreneur thinks they're going to be you know, the most successful ever. And I'm not saying to lose that. I'm saying once you're getting down to the brass tacks of, of investing your money, if you follow that process, what you'll find is, number one, your, your clarity of planning will go through the roof. Mm-hmm. You're going to ask far better questions. And as the project is going on, you're going to have benchmarks for success. These are all the things that if you, know, you went to an MBA program, they would try and Tell you it takes you know twenty four months or four years to learn. I mean, shoot, I just explained that in you know what six or seven minutes. It's just it. It's about starting in the right place, distilling things down to the the smallest piece that's going to have the greatest impact. Yeah, I, I really like that approach because just like what you said, um, it gets you to have more clarity in uh, your planning and, um, like you said, ask better qu- questions, therefore make better decisions, um, and also mm-hmm. just kind of know like what those milestones look like or what what does that milestone of success look like as you continue um, on your journey. But uh, very, you know, I think some people just try to like you know, let's say make a lot of money or try to invest money and just run with it. But I like just that long term planning that you could simply do by following the system you just shared. Yeah, and the good news is um, not that I, I may sound like I, I do a lot of that long-term <laughs> playing, and at one at one point in my life I did. Mm-hmm. But you know, part part of how I'm built is to take very complicated systems and break it down into usable parts. Because when mm-hmm. when something is complex, that I don't mean complicated. I mean when something has a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. like a car. A car has a lot of moving parts, but a fork does not. Right? A fork's got like three. <laughs> when yeah. something's complex you've got to break it down into small pieces. And I'll tell you where I realized I did it. UPS was trying to figure out how do we get our drivers to deliver packages faster? Mm -hmm. And they told the computer, okay, take a look at this city and tell us how to deliver the packages faster. 
and the computer like blew up. It's like, there's way too many decisions to be made. Do you turn left? Do you turn right? Do you go forward? How many one-way streets are there? Well, finally, someone had the brilliant idea to say, well, hold on, wait a minute. Instead of looking at the entire city, why don't we just break up the city into these little pieces and look at how to you know, figure out what's the fastest route in this small piece mm. and that small piece and that one, and then just connect the pieces. Oh, <laughs> well, it's like, well, duh. I mean, now, of course, I've been doing it for so long. Again, whenever you work with uh, computers and the stock market, you've got two very complicated things. Mm-hmm. Either you, you're able to do this kind of thing or you're not. So again, this, this, this sounds deceptively simple, but it, the idea here is to start with a single thing, which is how much money do I need to return to me when I put it out that will cause you to ask better questions? Mm-hmm. Because look, people are smart. They're going to know if, if it's, they're going to spend $160,000 in a year and they start doing these numbers, you, you can do it on the back of a napkin and a you know iPhone calculator. You're going to be able to ask questions that are going to rival you know an MIT or a Harvard business degree. You just you don't need to go to that level. You just need to start with better information. Mm-hmm. Wow, I think that's a that's a great way to wrap up our conversation today, Maceo. Um, I mean, obviously, we can go on for two more we hours could. if you wanted to. That's what it <laughs> sounds like, apparently. <laughs> I was like, man, he can talk. No, but no, I, I think that I think that your answers are very concise and so you know simplistic. Um, now it's really just about the implementation, right? Like That's people right. actually running with this. And so That's exactly right. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's focus on that. It's like, okay, everyone, here are the golden nuggets. Now run with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, Maceo, uh, before we get going, any any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Just you know, just one. Uh, when I was a kid, I saw the movie Gandhi, and as a kid, what fascinated me about that was it was a, a, a story about a single person mm-hmm. that defeated the most powerful government on the planet. And what that did for me is it showed me truly what possibility means. Mm-hmm. Now, possibility is not Gandhi, you know, sitting in a white robe, meditating, saying, Om for 20 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. His life was filled with sacrifice and ups and downs and failures and massive success. Um, and so it's it's that if you're experiencing that, you are on the right track. It's like we've we've somehow convinced ourselves that things should be easy or things should be going well all the time. And I would actually say, no, you know you're on the right track when you failed five or six times in a row. It's like, yep. You're probably on the right track. If if you're experiencing nothing but uh, but positivity and great times, like you're probably not pushing things. Mm. So if you are the kind of entrepreneur that wants to do something big, and obviously me tearing down healthcare is something big, then you'd you'd better know that you're on the right track when you're failing a lot. And so I just encourage people that if you're experiencing failure, whether it's due to COVID or other things, uh, that more you're actually more likely to be on the right track than not. That's very reassuring. It's like, you're not a flake. You're not a failure. You're on the right track. Not at all. <laughs> awesome. Maceo, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah. And again, to our listeners, this is Maceo Jordan, who is the founder of Connexia. You can learn more about him and his company at maceojordan.com. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. 
Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.